0: My lovely parent friends. And apparently we are still friends. And on episode 45 of the Teen and Tween Parenting Podcast, I'm your cruise director in this tempestuous, wavy, rocky, wet, kind of exciting and refreshing journey we call parenting and parent And actually, I'll be honest with you. I think that whatever we are figuring out Whatever thought babies come to my head, whatever theories and ideas, whatever steps to take and myths to bust that I come up with is for everybody, is for all relationships and not just the parenting relationships, our relationships with our partners. If we're parenting with one, our relationship with our parents as we're parenting and then being triggered by everything that happens, remember what they say or What I say is that you kind of know what happened in your childhood based on how hard, whatever the situation with your child is. It's kind of that early, quick track back to your childhood. So know that if things feel really hard, if you get the opportunity to really, really work on those early memories in relation to whatever's going on with your child at that age, you will hit a goldmine of understanding about what happened for you, about how you're gonna work on it and how you're gonna end up parenting your children. Also, we are given no instructions. We have those early instructions that happen for us so that we don't kill our children so that our children actually live. So they're coming out in fairly vulnerable packages and they're fully human. They fully understand connection and relationship. That is one thing that they get totally early on. And we take that for granted in a way. They know how to deeply look for people. They know how to hook in in some ways to stay connected because their life depends on it. So that connection is always intensely strong. And that is what they know and understand fully that we have lost as we've gotten older. Which is really interesting to think about because I think that we feel like we are giving all of the knowledge because that the young people don't have the knowledge, just maybe some reflexes to keep them alive, you know, the hunger, The survival skill, we have something called the moral reflex, where it's almost like their hands go up in front of their faces in order to protect them. But we think that they don't have much else. But what they do have is they have a deep ability to connect and a deep curiosity. They also know that they deserve to be taken care of loved and expect that of people. And we definitely lose that expectation at some point. At some point we have decided that really we're out there on our own. And it's always amazing to see where that switch happens because if you trace your life kind of in a line back, you might even be able to tell for a moment where that switch happened, where you realized that you didn't have anybody or that you were by yourself. Now, it's not completely true. It's just some way in which we tried and tried and tried. And we tried for that connection and we tried to be understood and we tried to get the support that we needed. And it just wasn't there in the way that we could tell. So quick way to your early childhood is have a child and then raise that child and you will find yourself moving back very quickly with the types of ways that you're triggered. Which is very, very hopeful in some ways, because if you realize that there is something about whatever is going on with your young person that is making you feel bad or feel worried or feel whatever, that if you go back and work on that little early piece of it, and we spoke about that through the peer cheering, through ways in which you can go and and have feelings and work on whatever happened in those early struggles that you can actually think a little bit more clearly and not from a triggered thought when you're raising your kids, which is pretty great. So like I was saying, we have all of the instructions on how to make sure that our children stay alive. And it's all very practical, but we're not given instructions about how to support them emotionally, how to be there, how to guide them, how to help them turn into independent somewhat joyous, resilient, able to bounce back adults. And that's what we're working on here. We're working on figuring out ways and methods to do that together so that our young people can go into the future and become those independent. And when I say independent, that doesn't mean without people, but actually able to handle situations able to be resilient in the face of struggle, able to have hard feelings and know that that's part of the human experience, that they get to have that. And in some ways, they get to revel in the fact that they have the ability to have a human experience. You don't want to be happy all the time. There are things that are happening in the world that I'm not happy about, nor would I want to be happy about them. And I've never been promised an easy life. And that's such an interesting thing where people think that they just want to be happy, that somehow life should be easy. Life had never been easy for my ancestors. Life had never been easy for previous humans. That was never the promise. The promise was a full human experience. And if we're able to know that the full human experience is part of what we have in some ways signed up for as a human being born, in this world, and you know the likelihood of being born, it's infinitesimal, infinitesimal. I can't even say that word. I mean, when I think about it, that I think about all the generations that have happened before me, and that they had to survive, and that somehow when you're thinking about the amount of eggs and the amount of sperms and which one came together to form me, it's like one in a trillion chance. The chances are so small that I have been put on this earth. And I've been put on this earth to do something. I truly believe that. I, I feel like all of us humans are here to evolve. That's why we're in this space right now. That's why I can do this podcast and share it with you. That's why. I, that's why we can communicate thousands of miles away. I mean, right now my son is in... Colombia, um, the country teaching English, and I get to speak to him every day. It's because of the evolution of humans and the thought and the creativity and the moving forward that we've moved forward. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to be dissatisfied in order to want to have the fully human desire to evolve. That just means that we get to enjoy the journey and the experience and the failures and the stepping stones to get us there. So I wanted to share a little story that happened. So I get together with many, many groups of moms. Last week, I shared a story where I was actually speaking to a lot of young adults and kind of getting their opinions about things. The interesting part is that I was a young adult once and I was a teenager once. And so I know Where I would have liked things differently, but somehow as a parent or as an adult, I almost forgot it. Oh, by the way, I just need to tell you, I am in New Orleans right now at Jazz Fest, and it's been pretty creative. It's just been amazing. But what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to push myself to do fun, exciting things that I wouldn't normally do. And so there was a zip line that was somehow created by this large RV attached a zip line from the top of their RV in the middle of an esplanade, like kind of in the central portion, a grassy portion across the street from this bar that I was at listening to this fantastic band called Bon Bon Vivant. And I can't believe I actually said that correctly. They were the cutest, most adorable band. I have heard so much music. It is amazing to be here at Jazz Fest and having a really good time. But I was with my friend. Nancy, and I saw they were doing the zip line and I'm like, I'm gonna do that. And she's like, oh no, you should not do that. Look how high that RV, like the top of the RV, I guess isn't really that high. Like, is it 15 feet high or whatever it was? It was kind of attached to a line. There was a little trampoline underneath and I was gonna hold onto a pole and sit on that trampoline and zip line my way down. And I was like, no, I see people doing this and they can do it pretty easily. Albeit that they're 30 years younger than me, definitely, or even more, maybe even 40 years younger than me. I'm 57. But I I just knew that I could do it. The hardest part was actually climbing up to the top of the RV. And I climbed up to the top of the RV, and I was scared, and I'm shaking, and I'm actually scared of heights. And I'm always pushing myself related to heights. I actually jumped out of a plane. Once And that is another story for another day, but I got on that zip line and I just decided that it was going to be okay, that I've seen 10 people do that before. And that I was going to be able to propel myself off of the top of the RV and work my way down and then even get off of the rope. I would have to jump down off the rope and I did it. And I was really, really proud of myself for doing that. that that I pushed myself in a way that just feels uncomfortable, in a way that I thought my body might not work, pushed myself beyond some fear that I definitely had. And I thought, you know, if I'm willing to have those feelings, if I'm willing to push in a way that feels uncomfortable, then I can kind of do anything. And I believe that for all of you that you can do anything. And I've done that in different ways here. I'm also a singer, songwriter. I'm a little bit jealous that everybody gets to play on the stage. I have an album out that came out a couple of years back. And I decided I was going to tell everybody about that album and also tell them that I wanted to play on the New Orleans Jazz Fest stage. And if they would listen to my album and possibly download it and share it, that there was a possibility that I could play. And so I have a QR code for my album, and I've walked around to women over the age of 50 because I say that my music is related to music, medicine, motherhood, menopause, and marriage. It's the five M's there, which I think you or most of you can definitely relate to, that they would be supporting women over 50 that are rock and rollers and not rock and rollers since the age of 20, moving their way up. I'm not like Stevie Nicks or Hart or anything like that, that I was a rock and roller that came to be after the age of 50 and they were supporting it. So I just started talking to everybody and asking them to do that. And you know what? Everybody wanted to do that. They were really excited to do that. So go out and blow your mind. Do everything you can in order to do something spectacular. And they could be small, small things. Jumping on a zip line, asking somebody if they would listen to your album. Whatever it is that you wanna do, because I know that you're probably creating thoughts and ideas constantly that you might be negating and thinking they're not anything. But the tiniest little thought, the tiniest little idea could actually sprout into something absolutely beautiful, or at least lead you in the direction of what you're not going in. It's like, no, that's an idea that I definitely don't want to follow through on. But you can't do that unless you take the risks and the chance. So do something every day to blow your own mind. But I wanted to tell you, so I have a lot of friends and I speak to a lot of people And I try to get a lot of ideas. And I have a group of women that I get together with every Friday morning since the kids were like four years old. People I love. People whose kids I love. And the struggles that we all have are struggles that we bring to each other, which is really so wonderful. So one of my friends struggles with the fact that her son, who is now a young adult, ends up getting mad at her a lot and screaming a lot. And she feels like she's being victimized, that she's being yelled at, that she's doing the best she can. And why is she yelled at all the time? And I think that's true. I don't think that we should be being yelled at, but she said something very interesting this last time, which I hadn't heard before. She said, it seemed like once he yelled, it was kind of like a kettle that was whistling, that somehow could release its steam, and then he was okay. Now, I thought that was a very interesting observation, because at that moment, she could tell that there was something he needed in terms of a release, and that she ended up being the pressure valve to release that. Now, again, I am not saying allow yourself to be victimized hurt targeted in some way but if you know that there's a pressure valve and that you're the person that your child might trust enough to release it to is there another way that it can be released and especially in your presence now we in some ways have invited our children to have the home as a safe space for them to release hard feelings. I know for sure that I would not have wanted my children to release their hard feelings in uncomfortable ways any place else. So if they were screaming and yelling at the teachers in school, I wouldn't be happy. If they were out on the street bumping into people and yelling at them, I wouldn't be happy. If they were with their partners or their friends and screaming at them, I wouldn't be happy either. I would know that something was really wrong. So in some ways, you know that something's going really right when your kids are outside of the house doing the right thing and they come home and they are just really pissed or they they take something out on us because it is a somewhat oppressive place, the outside world, especially when you have no agency as a young person. When you're in school, you have to do what the adults tell you to do eight to 10 hours a day. When you're at home even, you still have to do what the parents tell you to do. You have no money and you have no agency over your own life. And the expectation about what you're going to do is not like you've had a choice about it. You know, you are expected to go to school if that's how you're raising your children. So really there are no places where they get to work on how hard that feels at times about where, and because we're talking about teens and tweens, about where people treat them as if they're unreliable, unworthy, stupid, disrespectful. That is happening all over the place on some level. So just know that they're coming home and working on that with you. So the question is, how can they work on it so that you don't necessarily feel like you're being attacked and you shouldn't be attacked? But that doesn't mean that they are deciding that you're worthless. Which is an interesting thing. So that's where you get to work on your mind, that you can actually decide that you are the one place where your young person feels safe enough to work on something that's hard and you would want them to work where you are. And so part of it is that you have to actually be able to listen to those hard feelings that they're going to bring home. You're going to have to be able to not, respond, react and decide that whatever they've brought home that's hard you need to fix at that moment or that you need to give an opinion about or you need to criticize or decide that they shouldn't have those feelings at all. So some of the things we figured out was that what her son was getting mad at was not her but rather her reaction to whatever he was upset about. So he could be upset about something. And then what happened is she said, well, you should do this or you should do that or you didn't do that right. And then he got mad and started screaming at her. So it's always a, a fascinating thing because when my husband and I are fighting, my daughter gets involved. And then I get mad at my daughter and all of the attention is off of whatever I was fighting with my husband about. Now she's just trying to make that situation comfortable. She has decided that I have done something wrong to him or vice versa, but now all the attention is on my daughter and I'm mad at her and she has not benefited from that situation at all. And I think about that with my kids when they're fighting so they're fighting and I've decided in my mind who's right and who's wrong and I go and it's usually my daughter who's wrong and my son who's right because you know he doesn't get mad easily and he he looks like he needs help but you know the truth is is he doesn't to be honest with you there's a way in which he's not reacting which gets her good and gets her so upset and so I'll generally take his side I will get upset with her and then she'll get really mad at me. And then all of the anger that's up or all of the feelings that she has are now focused in my direction. And he's off scot-free. Nobody's mad at him at all. He's like, look, they've taken it on, not me. Look at them, they're fighting. I'm sitting here playing my video games, happy as a lark. So back to my friend, how can she shore herself up and be okay enough And have enough ballast and ability to be able to listen when things are hard and not criticize, not fix, not yell, not decide that something is wrong. And if she could do that and say, hey, looks like you're really upset right now. How about I just listen to you for a while? Or I'm here if you need me. Or you know what? I don't have a lot of attention for you yelling at me, but I have tons of attention for you being really upset. And then I won't get confused about the fact that your upsetness looks a little bit messy. That's what we're working on now. That's what we're going for. So the upset doesn't have to be directed at you. It could be that general invitation of the upsetness about how whatever has happened has affected them. And you are inviting them to tell you how hard it is because if they can't tell you, who are they going to tell? And that is what we're going for. And if this resonates with you and you want more of this, then please, first of all, binge listen to 45 freaking episodes. I've done this 45 times, so amazing and I love it. And each time is something new and something exciting and some little, I'm gonna say snack, a little snack of wonderfulness. That's not too big, that doesn't take too long and is not too hard to help you move forward. Now, I love that you're listening, like, share, review, give to everybody else but sign up for the newsletter because that's where I take this information and I just expound on it and I give pearls of wisdom pearls value more and more so that you can. And if you want support in there doing it because I know for me that I get so much support. I have two coaching sessions a week. I do that peer cheering, you know, where I am working with somebody twice a week. I don't have to do this alone. I do the small mini sessions, the small peer training sessions almost every day because I have tons of feelings about what's going on. And it's always hard. It always feels hard because it's constantly triggering my early childhood. So I need to work on it so that I could stay present. So if you need some help in there, then I'm your gal. So get in contact with me at drnickynarodin.com d-r-n-i-k-k-i-n-e-r-e-d-i-n.com sign up for my newsletter can even download a free ebook my ebook shut up and act dumb has done so well and helped so many people and then see if you want to work with me i've got a beautiful beautiful coaching practice that i would love to take you to the next level And in some ways, it's almost irresponsible for me to not offer this to you because I want you to have the ideas, but I want you to hit that promised land so that you will have this beautiful, connected, fun relationship without worrying, without fighting. And your kids can go off and be independent and always come back and know that they want you. All right. I love you guys. Have a wonderful day. And I will speak to you next week, as always.